Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. the baptistry so it should be here uh hallelujah about uh maybe a week they said at the latest they're going to ship it out monday but i talked to the guy today and i said uh i really want this baptistry as quickly as i can get it there's severe weather storms but uh we we bought it today hallelujah praise god um uh, i've been doing a little selling of bible studies and other materials that i put out and uh, we raised a little bit over 200 dollars on that end uh, somebody gave a really good offering on Sunday, and then I was preaching out over the weekend, and the church where I was preaching at, they felt uh, very compelled. They, they said, hey, we noticed you guys need a baptistry, and you're trying to raise f- uh, funds for that. They said, we want to be a part of that, so they paid the rest of it. Hallelujah. So God bless them, and uh, in Jesus' name, God give us people to baptize. We have some people here that need to be baptized, and uh, I'm, we're going to baptize people. Also, don't forget... Uh, January 22nd, we're going to be dedicating our children. They will be radically transformed. Hallelujah. You don't want to miss that. Bishop uh, Jimmy Shoemake will be here preaching for us. And uh, I just told him to preach on whatever. Uh, We just want the elders' blessing over our kids. So don't forget about that. Also, the 26th and 27th, uh, everyone say 26, 27. We're going to be having... Uh, we're going to be wrapping up this month of building stronger families. We're going to be wrapping that up this month with uh, a very special service with Tim and Kristen King from Wenatchee, uh, Washington. They, uh, Brother King himself is a uh, just a phenomenal individual, great pastor. Uh, so is uh, and he has an awesome wife, Sister Kristen King. Uh, he is a certified, bona fide counselor person, and uh, he's going to come and, and talk to us. I talked to him today on the phone, and uh, he, he told me, he said, I really feel direction from the Holy Ghost. So they're going to be here on a Thursday and on a Friday night. Um, we are going to, uh, we're going to try to break it up. So when the ladies come in, I really do want us to try to help the ladies out. We'll try to, I don't know, uh, we'll do something. We'll, we'll take the kids down somewhere. Lock, lock the doors, hallelujah. But we'll try to make sure that the ladies can be ministered to. And uh, we're going to get talked to as men. And uh, it's going to be on a very much uh, just high level, hallelujah. It's going to be intense. And, uh, you know, we get what we preach. So I'm believing as we go into February, March, April, June, July, we're going to see the effects of this month. And it's going to be good. I'm really excited about what God is doing in our families. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Um, So this week we're going to start moving into uh, fighting for our children. And um, I'm going to this. These lessons will probably move a little bit slower today. I'm just going to lay the groundwork for this. And uh, but I think I think this will be this will be a blessing. So we're going to start off in the book of Genesis, chapter one and verse twenty six. Hallelujah. I I have the verse here, so I'll read it. Genesis 1:26. We're all familiar with this. It says, "And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. One of the most important and critical things we need to grasp about our lifetime is that is the concept, uh, one of the most important things we need to grasp in our lifetime is the concept of personhood. Personhood. Everyone say personhood. personhood. What I mean by that is the state of being a person. We are not a person because we behave well. Uh, we are not a person uh, because we've reached a certain age or a financial status. Uh, a person is what we are. All right. And personhood cannot be achieved or lost. Um, we are a person at all times. One of the things that often often boggles our minds and and even here in America is, you know, we'll see these these high profile crimes and we'll think, why don't they just throw the guy in jail? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the reasons for that is because we are treating everybody with dignity based on their personhood. And as Genesis tells us, it doesn't matter whether you're a good or bad human. You're a human made in the image of God. And nothing changes that. You don't earn that. You can't lose that. Even though you might act like less than a human, you are still a human. And you are endowed with a certain dignity. All right? And um, this is actually a very important concept because it helps us in how we treat everybody. Uh, you know, we... This is probably going to fly in the face of a lot of things that I, even I believe to some degree. But nobody should really have to earn our respect. As Christians, we should be able to treat everybody respectfully. Yes. Amen. Right? Like that, we, you know, Jesus even downed his own disciples. He was like, man, you guys are nice to your own friends. He's like, but even sinners do that. You know what I mean? So we should be able to treat the homeless guy. We should even be able to treat mean customers, <laughs> you know, whoever, uh, employers. We should be able to treat everybody respectfully. Uh, number one, uh, because they are made in the image of God. Um, so uh, we are fully human at all times. We never stop being human or a person. That doesn't change. We are fully human before we're born. All right. There's two kinds of humans. The ones that are not born and the ones that are born. And this is critical. Um, but uh, we're fully human before we're born and after we're born. From infancy to old age, we never stop being a person. Being a person does not change somewhere along the line of life's continuum. Scripture teaches us that we have intrinsic and infinite value at every stage of life. All right? Uh, Anybody read Psalms 22.10? Anybody bring their Bible? And then Leviticus 19.32. Somebody get Psalms uh, 22.10 and then someone Leviticus 19.32. Amen. Anybody, anybody. Psalms what? Uh, Psalms 22.10. Okay, Sister Louise. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? I was cast upon thee from the womb. Uh, not when I was born. Before I was ever born. I was, I was cast upon thee. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Now, 
what that verse is literally saying, uh, when you stop and you think about it, is that a human is a human, even inside the womb. And, uh, and I think most of us know where we're going with this, but I, we, we as Christians need to embrace this. We need to embrace this. We need to understand the dignity of life uh, from the very womb. The minute a woman is pregnant, the second she becomes pregnant, that is a human being inside of her. That does not, that doesn't change. Leviticus 19.32, anybody have that? Brother, Brother Rocha. Thou shalt rise up before the holy head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. All right, beautiful. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. So here we have two ends of life, the be- in the belly and the, f- the old, the matured in age, the aging. And Ironically enough, these are the two age classes that are really under attack right now. All right. These are the two age classes that the world we live in right now are actually trying to eliminate. And uh, the Bible lets us know. uh, Before you're born, you're a human being. And when you're old, you're a human being. Um, You're you're never... uh, let me explain this verse to you here. This, this verse actually has some interesting history to it. You have to remember, uh, when you are reading in the Bible, you are reading about people who did not have, did not have cars. <laughs> These were walking people. So you can only imagine, uh, as you're walking through the desert, um, there's only going to be two types of people that are going to slow you down. Uh, children. And uh, sometimes it takes me longer just to get to the door than to where I'm going, <laughs> uh, especially if the kids are coming. Right. So children will slow you down. And it's really it's very unique. It's, it's, it's actually very interesting to see how God has made the family. Everyone's at different ages and stages the whole time. Mom and dad are older than the kids. The kids might be older than each other. They all have different capacities, abilities. But you have to remember, Bible people were walking people. And um, it was not uncommon among people of those days, non-Bible people, and perhaps even some of God's own people, to want to discard the elderly, to want to get rid of them, and to say, hey, you're slowing us down. We got to travel across this wilderness. Uh, You're just, you're slowing up the train. And they would actually, uh, from everything I've read and studied, they would actually discard of the elderly. And so God steps in here and Leviticus says, we won't be doing that. Not only will you not get rid, not only will you not get rid of the elderly who can't hardly walk or stand, you will stand up when you see them. And uh, so God's really putting a big reverse on things. God is saying, I don't care how inconvenient. I don't care how how much slower you travel. We are going to be we're going to be humans and we're going to treat all life with absolute dignity, uh, even if it takes us a little bit longer. Hallelujah. Life is sacred at all stages. Can you say amen? Amen. Um, A group of doctors once got together to strategize whether or not a group of children with spina bifida should be allowed to live. This strategy came to be known as the quality of life formula. It actually, uh, the quality of life formula looks like this. QL equals NE times HS. And I'll explain to you what that means. What that means is that the quality of life is equal to his or hers, a person's natural endowment uh, multiplied by the sum of the child's home 
in society. So I'll explain to you in very simple, simple terms what that means. That a person should be allowed to live based on their physical capacities and how that will affect their home and their society. So there was these doctors that were trying to figure out if these sick children should be allowed to live. And they said, well, let's do it this way. How bad is their disease? And what, what, how's it gonna leave them? Uh, what is it gonna do to their home? And what will it do to society? If all those outcomes are negative, let's get rid of them. Uh, this was not done in Nazi Germany. This was not done in China or Russia, uh, communist China and Russia. Neither was this done on some coastal state here in America. Uh, this was done in Oklahoma City. Uh, this wasn't done 500, you know, uh, this wasn't done 50 years ago, 100 years ago. This was done in 1982. The Oklahoma Children's Memorial Hospital uh, applied uh, this formula. They changed its name uh, for, I guess, for uh, public relations. Uh, they changed it to Selective Treatment Program. Um, it applied to 69 children. 24 of those children were deemed not worthy of living. They were, they were, they were actually starved to death right away. They were not fed. They were not taken care of. They were led to die. Now, I'm not talking about in the womb here. We're not even talking about abortion. We're talking about infanticide, letting children die. Um, there was another 14 children whose parents requested treatment for their children despite doctor's orders. The doctor said, we shouldn't treat these kids. We don't want to give them any medicine. This is not a good idea. It's going to ruin your home. It's going to ruin your money. It's not good for society. The parents said, no, we're going to give our children treatment. Um, eight of those children died. Six of them lived. Uh, uh, how could this happen? How could this happen in America? Not, not hundreds of years ago, but in 1982. The answer is very simple. Um, people are trained and educated to see a person as something that it's not. A person today is either seen as one animal among many other animals on planet Earth, or they are seen as a person uh, so long as they don't lose any of their abilities or capacities. Peter Singer, and it's not a name that might be familiar to everybody here, but he is one of the most renowned uh, scientific uh, ethicists, meaning he tries to determine what kind of ethics should be applied in all kinds of fields. Uh, but I want you to listen to what he says. He teaches at Harvard. He writes several books. You can, you can Google him. You, you, he, he does conferences all over the world. This is what he said. If we compare a severely defective infant with a non-human animal, you can already see the problem there in the language. Humans are just another animal. Um, if we compare a severely defective infant with a non-human animal, like a dog or a pig, we will often find that non-humans, uh, that the non-human animal to have superior capacities. Only the fact that, def that the defective human or infant is a member of the Homo sapiens leads us to treat it differently from a dog or a pig. Species membership alone is, no, uh, is of no moral relevance. What is he saying? He's saying, if you look at a child that's born retarded, defective, whatever, he said, that child is more useless than a dog or a pig. He said, and the only reason 
And I, I have the whole article. He says, the only reason we're not getting rid of more kids like this, he says, is because, as he calls it, um, as he calls it, species membership. <laughs> uh, being a human is not a membership. <laughs> you don't pay to be human. You don't earn to be human. We are humans. But he says, the, in his thinking, how horrible that the only reason some humans are being allowed to live when they're just doing nothing but taking up space is because they're human. I read this article and a man was arguing with this and I'm telling you, I cried, I wept. And he told the story about a, um, about a man. Um, this man is an English professor uh, somewhere. I don't remember his name, but he had a brother who was severely retarded. His brother could not walk. His brother had all kinds of physical problems. In fact, he said of his own brother, he said, my brother is the most uh, uh, incapable, he physically diminished person I've ever known in my life. He cannot talk. Uh, he said that um, when his brother came home, his mother was holding his little brother in her arms and uh, she had this new baby. She was so excited. She went up to the window to let the little baby get some sunlight and she looked into the baby's eyes and they were gray and she realized he's blind. Not only was he totally handicapped, he was blind. He couldn't take care of himself. And so they, they, um, they, they went to the doctors. The doctor said, hey, you know what? Uh, this kid is going to be like this the rest of his life. Um, he said, the best thing I can recommend to you is that you actually put him away in a, um, in a home. And, and the mother said, no way. She said, that's my son. His name was Oliver. She said, that's my son. Uh, she said, we'll take care of him. And the doctor said, we'll just make sure you love him. And, uh, and she said, we love him. So they took Oliver home. And this this. This, this man said, I grew up with this brother who made funny noises. He said, but I loved him. He said, I fed him. I took care of him. He said, I, lay, I, I helped lay him down to bed at night. He said, I remember sitting in the living room with my parents and we could hear him upstairs in his room. And he said, he was our brother. He was our son. He was, we loved Oliver. And he said, uh, when I got older, he said, this is how I chose my wife. He said, I'd bring girls over to my house after I you know, talked to them for several months. He said, I, I'd ask them. He said, do you want to come with me to come feed my brother? Because he'd explained to them, I have this handicapped brother or, you know, whatever. And, um, and he said, uh, uh, he said, would you come with me to feed my brother? And if the girl said no, he said, I knew she wasn't the one. He said, one day he came over with this young girl. Her name was Ro. I remember that. Her name was Ro. Uh, he said, Ro, will you come with me to feed Oliver? She said, I'd love to. They went upstairs. She, she shyly kind of watched him feed his brother. She looked over his shoulder. She said, can I feed him? And, uh, and he said, yeah, sure. She took the spoon, the food, and fed Oliver. He said, that's the woman I married. He said, we have three children today. But the man said this, and it's powerful. He said, what we don't understand about the weak people, about the people that are made, created, born with weaknesses. He said, the question is not what they can do for us. He said, the question is, what do they do in us? What do they do in us? Not for us. Because when we know somebody with, with a d disability, somebody who is uh, weak, 
And I don't mean that in a bad way, please understand. But somebody who is not as physically able as everybody else, you know what? It does something for you. It makes you more, it makes you realize, you know what? We're all humans in this. Everybody deserves to be treated right. Everybody deserves a little bit of love. Hallelujah. And uh, all we have to do is is put the shoe on the other foot and realize, how would I want to be treated? You know what I mean? And and I've, I've, I've worked in Alzheimer's centers, and I'm sure some of you have had to help people with some disability or another at times and you realize really quick it doesn't matter whether this person can talk or not it doesn't matter whether their legs their arms or whatever is fun this is a human being i'm dealing with right here hallelujah um i'm always very i never forget uh there at sister harris's uh church they had uh uh, Mike Greer, some of you probably all met Mike Greer at one time, but he had no arms, he had half a tongue, he was partially blind, almost totally deaf, amen, <laughs> and he went to church there for years and years and years, but you know, there were some saints in the church that said, you know what, let's go talk to him, they did outreach, and they brought him to church, they baptized him, he came out of the water speaking in tongues, hallelujah, uh, I remember Mike, the first time I ever saw him, it was so, just rattled my mind to see him in the front row clapping his because he had no arms. Hallelujah. And uh, and he worshiped God. He loved God. Years later, God, uh, his parents had given him up because he, he had no physical, he had no arms, no tongue, can see, half deaf. He, and his parents gave him up for adoption. But after he got the Holy Ghost at the age of like 50 or something, he lived for God for years. Uh, he lived for God for years. But God reunited him with his parents. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God's a good God. Hallelujah. We don't throw people away in the church. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? There is nothing, everyone say nothing. nothing. There is nothing on earth that in the strictest sense resembles a human being. <clears throat> nothing. Right. In the strictest sense. Now, when you go to school or whatever, you, you know, however you get your information, they're going to tell you, hey, look, monkeys and humans, they're just so alike. <laughs> but you know what they never discuss are the differences. Yes, monkeys have hands, but they don't. But, but they don't play music. That's a big difference. Yes, they have hands, but they don't write poetry. They don't write, they don't write influential books that change the course of humankind or monkey kind. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, they may have hands like ours. Yes, they may have certain DNA, just like, but they don't, yes, they have a mouth, but they don't talk with it. That's a big difference. That's a big, big, that's the difference there is so massive that it should not be ignored. In fact, when you really look at a human being, he's probably the strangest creature on earth. Hallelujah. Um, uh, I could think of some creatures that look weirder than us, but I could think of no creature that looks more like God just dropped it on the planet. Right. Amen. And, uh, but hallelujah. He didn't just leave us here by ourselves. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. This, this, we, what I want to do tonight, and we're almost done here, is I want to reconnect us with the Bible attitude about being a person, about humanity. And this does begin with children. This does not begin with the elderly. This begins with children. We have to value life even before it comes out of the womb. That is our stance as a church. Amen. Um, 
uh, Exodus 1 and 7, we probably all know this story. And when I, when I quote you the scripture, you'll know what I'm talking about. Exodus 1 and 17, excuse me, it says, But the midwives feared God. Everyone say, feared God. The midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. We all know this story. Uh, the children of Israel have now been in Egypt how long? 400 years. They've been in Egypt 400 years and the Pharaoh becomes paranoid and he says, we're going to start killing all the children. And these, these Egyptian women, these Hebrew women that were helping the Hebrew uh, women have children, uh, the, the Pharaoh told them, you're going to kill every, every boy child that's born. And it's really easy to say, well, they, they couldn't do it. They were, they were, who could kill a child? That's, the Bible doesn't say uh, that they didn't kill the children because they felt sympathy. You know what the Bible says? Because they feared God. These women, albeit they had sympathy, right? But, but the thing I want to point out is that the Bible is very clear about the fact that these people who were even to some great degree removed from God because they had been in Egypt so long, they still knew one thing about the God that they served. This God created man in his image and we don't kill humans. We don't slaughter them, especially our children. We value life. And they, they said, we would rather get killed than kill children. The Bible says they feared God. We can see here that from the earliest beginnings of biblic of uh, from the earliest beginnings of the Bible, biblical people uh, have always had an inner compass that refused uh, to slaughter children. Psalms one twenty seven and verse three, our last verse for the night. It says, "Lo, everyone say lo, lo, children are." And an uh, inheritance of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children, everyone say children. Children do not need to do anything to earn our love, our respect, and our attention. They must be regarded as persons full of purpose, value, Regardless of their looks, strength, or intelligence. We treat children with the utmost dignity because what? They are a reward from God. It doesn't matter how a child comes into your possession. That is a reward from God. God has rewarded you. That's what a kid is. That's what the Bible says. A child is a reward. That's God saying, I like you. You know, you always hear these arguments um, <clears throat> about abortion. And I'm not going to really get into this tonight. But, you, you know, let me tell you something. Very, very few people actually become impregnated due to rape. That is, and those, we're all adults here tonight, so I can say this. We all know getting pregnant is not as easy as people think. Okay? Getting pregnant, even among the most healthy humans, is not easy. Life is a miracle. The fact that a woman even gets pregnant is a miracle. And, and uh, it is a, a child being born is a miracle. And if you have a child in your possession, under your roof, that child is, number one, a miracle. Number two, it is a reward from God to you. It does not matter how that kid comes into your possession. It is a reward from God. God has blessed you. God has said, I'm giving you this. This is something 
And, and so I'm going to tell you the truth. I got convicted doing this. And, you know, we have to treat children with respect. Children should not have to earn our love, earn our respect. None of that. They should just get it from us. Amen. Hallelujah. We should treat them with dignity. They're, 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 they're humans. <laughs> they're made in the image of God. Um, um, and so we're going to love our children. We're going to treat them with dignity because they are a reward and a blessing and a heritage from God. You, you are leaving something beautiful on the earth. You know, after we die... Man, we will leave behind more than a house, more than a car, more than this. We will leave a human being that, that will contribute to society, help the world, be a mighty preacher one day and help save thousands of souls, be a blessing in the kingdom of God. So let's respect our children. Let's love our children. Let's treat them with dignity. And uh, of course, uh, our grandchildren as well. Hallelujah. All children. Let's cherish life from its very earliest stages to its most uh, matured stage. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Next week, we're going to get more into uh, the fight for our children. We may talk a little bit more about abortion. I want to say this before I say anything about abortion. Do not think that abortion is a political subject. Right. It is a moral subject that has become politicized. That's right. Right? For us, it is not a Republican, Democrat, Greenpeace, whoever, uh, free Tea Party. It's none of that for us. For us, it's a biblical issue, okay? It is a moral issue. It is not a political issue. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people in our governments, including those who are against it, have politicized it. But for us, it is a, it is a spiritual, moral, biblical issue. It is a dignity issue. Can you say amen? <coughs> I love you. I thank all of you for coming and being so faithful to the house of God. Let's pray. And uh, let's pray right now for all our children.